The Axe of the Blood God. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Acts of the Blood God, U.S. Gamer's official RPG podcast. I'm your host, Kat Bailey, and joining me today is our old friend who last came in to talk a, a bit about roguelikes. It's Steve Tramer. Welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks, Kat. It's nice to be back on the show and talking to you again. It's been a little while. We're here to... Uh, the reason I'm having you on the show, Steve, is it's an important national holiday. One that deserves recognition and celebration on this podcast. I would dare say that it even makes me feel a bit patriotic. That holiday, of course, being the Final Fantasy Four Job Fiesta. Yeah, the most important holiday of the year. So, can you tell? So, for people who aren't exactly familiar with this little holiday that's been going on for a few years, can you kind of give a little bit of background? Yeah, so the Four Job Fiesta uh, is a Final Fantasy challenge run where people are just randomly assigned jobs. Um, there's a little Twitter bot, and you tell it whenever you reach uh, one of the crystals in the game that gives you a job selection, and it gives you a job from it. Um, and you're allowed to make certain types of requests, like characters get specific jobs from specific crystals, um, and then they can't ever change jobs, or you have the potential to get extra berserkers, or you can only get jobs that can break rods, or stuff like that. Um, and it's a nice, fun way to play the game. Um and the whole reason that this guy runs it is um, he uses it to collect donations for Child's Play. So it's a cute little fundraiser as well. Have you actually completed a four-job fiesta run? Um, I completed the very first one I did a couple of years ago where the first job I rolled was Black Mage. Because that, mm-hmm. makes, the job, or that makes the game incredibly easy towards the end, even the, if the first, um, the first couple of crystals are incredibly hard. What's uh, What would you say is the hardest class to actually do it with? Berserker. Absolutely. Berserker? <laughs> well, I mean, you can't get... Um, when you're a Berserker, you don't get to input anything, and you can only use a really limited set of weapons. So hmm. it makes the game incredibly hard to finish, because you've got a character that you can't do anything with, essentially. There are lo- also lots of bosses that um, retaliate against specific types of attacks, including physical attacks... So if you've got a Berserker and all they can do is Berserk, then you kind of get screwed. What would you say is the funnest one to to do? Oh, man. Um, the ones that you don't really ever use a lot, ordinarily. Um, stuff like Chemist or Beastmaster or Ranger. Um, one of the greatest things about the Fiesta is that it kind of forces you to use these jobs that suck or that you wouldn't normally use with the other jobs that you roll. So you get to find new and exciting ways to use their skills together so that the game is actually playable and finishable. And it's really surprising. I don't think that there's a single person who said that they can't finish the game with a certain set of jobs. Um, people will give up because it gets too hard, but it's actually possible to finish with pretty much any set that you roll. Hmm. <clears throat> I have not done the four-job fiesta run yet, Steve. That's but I've fine. been meaning to do it for quite you. a while now. That's fine. I forgive you for that. Um, <laughs> I would have done it this year, but things were a little crazy for me over the last couple of months. Um, sure. But no, it's a lot of fun, and I, it's related to some other types of challenges that came up around, like the um, the job-based 
Final Fantasies over the years. Um, like there's the one class run for Final Fantasy One. There are I think there's a similar kind of thing as the Four Job Fiesta for Final Fantasy Three, but nobody likes that game, so nobody does anything like that. Um, there are things like the Natural Magic run for Final Fantasy Six, where you can never equip Espers; you only use uh, magic with Terra and Celis when they learn their magic naturally. Um, and then I think that there are things like no material runs for Final Fantasy VII as well. Although I have, I tried doing that in I've... Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> How far actually. did you get? <laughs> I got as far as Genova. That's actually pretty good. The first Genova, like the first time that you encounter Genova in the lab. Yeah, that's actually pretty good for no material run in that game. And it was so hard that. I was like, this is too hard, I can't do this. Well, literally the only command you have access to if you do that is fight, so... Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't get the the weapons that are strengthened, that don't have any materia slots for a while, until, like, mid-game. Like, you get the base... I think Cloud has a baseball bat or something? Yeah, you get the nail bat, but you don't get that until, I think, around Temple of the Ancients, which is, what, three-quarters of the way through the first disc? He has a bat with a nail in it. In it. Ah. Yep. It's the, it is the strongest weapon you have at that point in the game. because Obligatory Simpsons reference. Yeah. but That's right. A board with a nail. Isn't it a board with a nail in it is the Simpsons It reference? is, but I was kind of transposing it because yeah. it's, it's funny. Yep. But Final Fantasy V, what are your thoughts on Final Fantasy V in general? <laughs> I think that we had talked about this before in the past, but... Have we, t- have we talked about it on the podcast, though? I think we did. Like, that was a long-ass time ago, though. Um, I really like Final Fantasy V. I think that it's a fun game, and it's where the job system kind of really came into its own. Um, mm-hmm. Final Fantasy One and Final Fantasy Three kind of had, had job systems as well, but Final Fantasy V's job system is the basis for Final Fantasy Tactics, um, and to a lesser extent, uh, Ogre Tactics, I think, as well. But it's a really inventive system, the way that they just allow you to kind of mix and match skills. Um, And the game's storyline is a little ridiculous and stupid, but whatever, it's a Final Fantasy. It probably has the worst story out of all of them. Um, Worse than Final Fantasy III? Actually, that's a good question. I never played Final Fantasy III all the way through, so I can't tell you. Um, the characters are pretty much interchangeable because you know, it's one of those games where they you can all learn the same skills, but because you don't ever swap out party members, um, they do like their skill set remains persistent. And because the story doesn't really matter, I don't think it's a super spoiler to say at one point one of the characters dies because it's a Final Fantasy, um, and the character that replaces Tragically. him. In, in your party uh, immediately regains all of the skills that he has learned before the end of that cutscene. So it's the, the characters in a lot of ways kind of don't really matter very much in that game. Um, but that doesn't mean that it's not a lot of fun to play. And I've played through it. I think at this point outside of the fiesta four or five times. Um, and it's also one of those games where you kind of find something new every time as well. When was the first time you played it? I think I first played it, it was probably right after the translation patch came out for the ROM, and that was 98, 99. Um, And I remember sitting down and playing through it on an emulator over Christmas break, uh, and that was a lot of fun. I think I made it about three quarters of the way through before I gave up. 
because I didn't quite understand exactly what I was doing. So you played it before the before Final Fantasy Anthology came out. Yeah, I did. I tried playing it on Final Fantasy Anthology as well, but that was such a horrible port that I made it even less of the way through. Yeah, so I played Final Fantasy V for the first time when Final Fantasy Anthology came out because I was not aware of the translation patch at that time. Um, being relatively new to the series because I came in, I came in with six, but that was like 1999 or so. Um, and then I played seven and then Anthology came out and I was like, oh, sweet. I have to own this game because it not only has Final Fantasy six, which is an awesome game as Final Fantasy five, which is like, a game I have not played, and it must be awesome because all Final Fantasy is awesome. And I started playing Anthology, and I was like, whoa, 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 because it looked... Well, let's just say that graphically it was not good as as good as Final Fantasy VI. It was closer to Final Fantasy IV, which obviously, you know, was pretty early on in the Super Nintendo's life cycle. And to someone who had just finished Final Fantasy VII, it was like, whoa, you're blowing my mind with, like, all of these... With these graphical downgrades, which, okay, but whatever. So, but I kept playing, and I got a ways into the game. So, being the spoil, so I'm, I'm going to tell a little story here. Um, we went on a road trip in, like, the summer of, like, 2000 with my family. And we were going to Wyoming. And... It was a long road trip from Minnesota to Wyoming. And we were driving through like Montana and North Dakota where there's like literally nothing to look at. So my parents found a way to install a TV into our car um, along with the PlayStation, which holy crap, I'm so spoiled. And so I was playing games and watching movies or whatever, like pretty much the entire way down. And I was playing Final Fantasy V at that time. Well, I was like playing to a certain point and my parents had stopped and they're like, we're going to turn off the car. Well, the car provided the power for my PlayStation. And I was like, no, wait, I have to save. I have to save. I have to save. I'm going to lose all of this time. And I had finally just gotten to a save point and I was in the process of saving when my dad turned off the car. Oh, that's horrible. Corrupted my save. I had to start over. But I did not start over because I was like, Ugh, I can't do this again. I know. What a sad tale because that port was – I mean it was decent aside from the fact that uh, there were load times for literally every action you would take. So it was painfully slow. It was so painfully slow. Yeah, the load times were awful. Oh, my God. Yeah. So we – and this is a nice time to bring up that we actually almost got Final Fantasy V back – during the Super Nintendo's lifetime, um, what happened was, I still remember it, it was a few months after Final Fantasy IV uh, came out here as Final Fantasy II, Nintendo Power ran in the back pages um, where they would show you, you know, these are the games that are probably that are going to be coming soon and they're going to be the greatest things ever. Um, there were Final Fantasy V screenshots back there and it was billed as Final Fantasy Extreme. Wait, so did it have just the Xtreme, or was it Extreme? I think it was actually Extreme. I think it had the E at the beginning. Because um, I knew that it was called Final Fantasy Extreme, but it would have been so 90s to be like Final Fantasy Extreme with I just it, an X. I think it was a little 
early actually no it would have been exactly around the time in the 90s where it would have been just an axe but i don't think that it was um but it was also around the time that final fantasy mystic quest came out which is like the baby final fantasy um as people think of it but that's actually a much better game than people give it credit for so it's you know it's final fantasy mystic quest which is you know for babies and final fantasy extreme which is for you know all you hardcore gamers out there but as i discovered with mystic quest it actually has a pretty good soundtrack it does final fantasy 5 has a really excellent soundtrack it's not as good as final fantasy 6 is but um like pretty much all of the games from the super nintendo era that came out of square it does it has a really excellent soundtrack it's fun to listen to so now this is the part where i admit my shame steve i have not finished final fantasy 5 that's okay it remains it's... it remains my white whale how far have you gotten i'm curious second world oh wow so you've only made it about two-thirds of the way through the whole game then yeah i i think i got as far as Atmos. i could be wrong I'm trying to remember what point in the game that is. But um, that means that you've missed out on some of the greatest stuff in it because the uh, the final dungeon, um, which takes place where the two worlds have collided, is really inventive and a lot of fun because it's kind of this weird mishmash of a whole bunch of other areas that you've been through already. Um, so it's familiar in some ways, but it's also... Uh, but it's also a little bit remixed and it also contains a really subtle hint that there's a hidden area in the in the game a hidden town because that's one of the areas that you go through in the final dungeon is this town that you probably had never seen before but everything else aside from um aside from the uh the final fantasy 4 final dungeon style crystal stuff is other areas from the game that you've already seen so it's it's really cute, inventive. Uh, the way that stuff connects in it is kind of cool and fun. Like the the final dungeons from all of the Super Nintendo era Final Fantasies are all really great, um, and I actually like Final Fantasy V's the best. Oh, better than the moon. Better than the moon. That one is actually my least favorite. Um, oh, really? Why is that? It's it's a little too labyrinthine for me. Um, and also there's the fact that it has all of those, all of the best equipment in the game is all locked behind all of these secret paths that are super hard to notice unless, um, unless you're reading Nintendo Power or Game Facts or whatever. So it, it makes it a little hard to get the equipment that actually makes that game finishable because the last boss is quite tough. In Final Fantasy IV? Yeah. I think that Zoromus... Uh, you think, think so? I think that Zoromus is actually quite tough. Like I was last... playing the GBA version, so maybe the difficulty was modified. I'm not sure. Um, so there, it's one of the weird things about the. So we got, if you're not familiar with it, um, as a listener, because I think you're familiar with it, Cat. We got what was called Final Fantasy IV Easy Type, because there were two versions of the game released in Japan. Um, right. Yeah. And Easy Type had fewer items in it. It was meant to be a little more playable and beginner friendly. But the last area of it, I think, was actually changed a little bit. Um, and the final form of Zeromus, the game's last boss, was redesigned to be that creepy kind of alien-looking thing. Um, and I think that they also changed his attack patterns a little bit, so it's actually harder. Because the last time I played, I played Hard-Type, um, and which is the GBA version, I think, is based on Hard-Type. 
and it was substantially easier than I remembered it being, even when I played Easy Type fairly recently. Yeah, I remembered it being pretty easy, <laughs> and that was the first one that I beat. Yeah. So, uh, and then I beat the PSP version, oh. and I got through that one pretty good, easily. I don't. I would actually say the PSP version is probably the best one to play. Yeah, I've never played the PSP version. Um, you can get it. You can get it on your Vita. If you have one. I do not have a Vita, but I think about buying one every once in a while because uh, just the cross-play stuff for it sounds so good. So Final Fantasy V, it, it's interesting because we're in the midst of the Final Fantasy IV job fiesta right at the time of right after the Final Fantasy VII remake was announced. And I cannot think of a game more diametrically opposed to Final Fantasy VII than Final Fantasy V. Yeah, Final Fantasy V and Final Fantasy VII really are diametric opposites in a lot of ways. Um, Final Fantasy VII is so heavily story focused, and it's and I think that it actually it does have one similarity, which is that you learn skills over time by accruing job points. Um, I mean, they're called something else in Final Fantasy VII, and it's been a while since i've played it so i can't quite remember if it's regular experience or something else that counts towards learning materia skills uh but because it final fantasy 7 and like everything is just interchangeable from the bat and final fantasy 5 it takes a really serious investment in a class for a long stretch of time to get the best skills final fantasy 7 not so much um, yeah, and then of course there's the fact that Final Fantasy VII is just a much easier game unless you're not playing with materia at all. Hmm. Exactly. No, Final Fantasy VII. I just wrote an article actually on US Gamer where I was just like, so why has Final Fantasy VII continued to resonate today? Well, I mean, there's the fact that it's almost more of an idea than a game at this point. Or it represents a particular time in gaming history that people are nostalgic for. But also, it was, for a lot of people, their very first JRPG. And the first one that they were able to really understand and really beat. Um, Square Enix made perhaps the right call in making, at the time, their most attractive uh, Final Fantasy. Also, their most accessible which meant that it sold like gangbusters, and people were like, I love this crazy new genre called RPGs now. And for a lot of people, including myself, just fell completely, insanely in love with them. So, Yeah, and as a longtime fan of Final Fantasy when that game came out, um, I'd been playing Final Fantasy since the first Nintendo game was released when I was, I don't know, eight or nine at the time, I think. Um, and it... It wasn't a lit down because it was so exciting at the time to see the crazy graphics and how awesome the story was and stuff. But then I really soured on it over time because it's the least involving of those games from a mechanical standpoint. And it's, it's aged so poorly at, at this point. I think that, I think that the remake is a smart idea um, to bring up the graphical fidelity because that'll really, I think that you mentioned this in your piece, it'll introduce a whole new generation of people to RPGs um, if, you know, they're not already playing Kingdom Hearts or whatever. Um, Kingdom Hearts isn't an RPG. <laughs> Silly, okay, Steve. Fair. All right, that's a fair response to that. But it's it's just a game that I think would really benefit from some mechanical changes, and there are certainly other games from that 
era of Square, where after they made their boatloads of money on Final Fantasy VII, they made a lot of really inventive games that just either worked like gangbusters, um, Final Fantasy Tactics, or are interesting experiments, but failures in a whole bunch of ways, like um, Vagrant Story. Vagrant Story is a game that, and I've had this discussion with Jeremy plenty of times, actually, that I really hate. It's one of my most hated games of all time, but I know that there's, <laughs> I know that there's a really brilliant, wonderful game in there that could be brought out by a remake. It's just that it's so ponderously slow and obtuse that it's, it's so massively unfriendly to play that it's really hard to sit through. Yeah, the first time I played Vagrant Story... I got as far as there was a boss that I got to, and I could literally don't do no damage to it. So, and I couldn't figure out why. Back in college, me and my roommate um, made joint decisions about what games to purchase because he owned the PlayStation, but we both wanted to play games, um, and we both liked RPGs. And I was the one who suggested Vagrant Story, um, and generally the rule was that if you were the one who suggested a game to purchase, you had to be the one to finish it, because we didn't really want to waste any money we couldn't afford to. We were super broke. And so we got to the final boss, um, one of us, I can't remember who it was, and like you, we had a weapon that would do zero damage. But the combo system in that game uh, for combos that added a percentage on top of your previous damage, they always added at least one to your previous attack. So I sat there for several hours trying to do an endless combo chain against the boss to total up enough damage to kill it. And I have no idea how long I sat there because the timing for the attacks in that game is also really bad is another problem I have with it. I sat there and I just kept hitting hitting those buttons until the damn thing finally died. And it has, I think... It's Vagrant Story from this era of Square. It has 666 hit points, because of course it does. Um, and that that was that. Like, we returned that damn game, and uh, and then I believe we made another poor decision and bought Wild Arms 2, but Aww. he finished that one. It's the only <laughs> game... Well, actually, you know, even more than Vagrant Story, Wild Arms 2 is my most hated game of all time. No question. Whoa! More Most hated? Oh god, I hate that game so much. Like I wow. can't even begin to I still remember the dumbest shit in that game. I I don't know what my most hated game of all time might be. It might be Project Cross Zone. I haven't even heard of that one, so I really hated that game. I have no doubt in my mind that it's bad. Well, it's a it came out a couple of years ago, actually. Um and it's a Bandai Namco like mashup kind of strategy RPG, but both of those things are really generous. Um, So yeah, there's the map. There's the isometric map with the characters and everything. Yep. And then when you go into a battle, you basically do a a predefined combo um, to do damage, right? Yeah. And it's more or less the same for every group of characters. And as the time goes on, you add commands to the combo so they become slightly more elaborate but in general it's really brain dead there's no customization whatsoever you're kind of slashing hacking your way through a room of enemies and then continuing onward but there's no particular like optimal way to do it aside from just 
keep on hacking, keep on slashing. And the story is, now we're here, now we're there, we're in this universe. Oh my god, it's the guys from Valkyria Chronicles, woo! Woo. So yeah, I was actually going to ask, like, Namco Bandai, this sounds like it could be, it sounds like it's a Musu game, and it, the way you've just described it is the Musu game of strategy games. Yeah, but Musu games are actually fun. Oh, Project Cross Zone, <laughs> I had to review that damn thing. And I was sitting there, and I'm like, this is the most boring game I have ever played. It was kind of pretty. I mean, I like the sprite work, but looks do not matter if literally you're, the entire game is using the same combos over and over and over again. Yeah. It was not a good game. No. I'm sorry. Oh, hey, which, to get us back on track briefly, you know, that is the nice thing about Final Fantasy V, is that Whoa, there's, oh my not, God. there's not really any good one set of optimal moves that you can take. Mm. Um, for a long time, if you have a Geomancer, you can pretty much wreck any random encounter, but after you get, I think it's the um, the Earth Crystal, at that point, if you have a Geomancer, Geomancers suddenly become useless. Like they just, They're no longer useful in any meaningful way. So the game, it does a really good job of keeping you on your toes by kind of rebalancing the enemies at critical points that you're essentially forced to try out new stuff. And it's a game all, that's all about trying out new stuff, which is one of the reasons why the Forge on Fiesta works so well, both because it locks you into a specific path and because that specific path is probably something you've never tried before. I So one of the reasons that I was never able to finish Final Fantasy V, aside from the fact that it was hard, which makes me kind of a wimp, I know. But I've, I've actually finished harder RPGs than Final Fantasy V. It was a story. The story didn't particularly do anything for me. Yeah. I, like I, I don't like butts. <laughs> was he butts in the original? He, uh, is, tr- he is butts in the original translation. Then I, yeah. Then I think he was Bart's. Yeah, and became... then I think that he is now canonically butts again. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure he's Bart's. Which is too bad because Butts is the absolute best possible translation of that name. <laughs> he's basically Locke, but you know, with like a chocobo, right? So he's. I would say that he even has wandering adventurer, even less personality than that, because he's like super bland. Like Locke, at least has some sort of backstory and personality and charm. Like all of the characters in Final Fantasy VI do. And the characters in Final Fantasy V kind of don't really have that. And you've got Bartz or Butts, the guy who is the wandering adventurer out to make his fortune and see the world. There is Lena, who is the princess who pretends to not be a princess. There's Ferris, who's the man that is really a woman that is also a princess because she is Lena's sister. Uh, and then there's Galuf, who is the guy from another world who has amnesia. So it's like these are the spoiler. Most, these are the most tropey of tropiest characters. I, I liked Ferris. I I like Ferris too. She's the most interesting one, and that is mostly because um, in every good localization of the game, she is the only one who has any sort of personality in her dialogue because she's a pirate, so she gets to say pirate stuff. Yes, I I will get around to finishing Final Fantasy V eventually. Because I have it on GBA, on iOS, 
and probably elsewhere as well. You can get it pretty much everywhere now. Yeah, it is worth mentioning that the iOS port is better than most of the iOS ports of Square games, but it still looks horrible and is not easy to play. I would say if you can get a hold of it, probably the GBA one is the best possible way to play it. Yeah, the GBA re-releases of all those games, um, the sound quality is not nearly as good, so uh, don't expect the music to sound great, or especially the sound effects. The sound effects. The soundtrack is middling anyway. Yeah. Outside of, what, Battle on the Big Bridge? Battle on the Big Bridge is a classic. Uh, the it's Gilgamesh, a classic. Right? Yeah, Gilgamesh. And the, boss, and the boss music's pretty good, too. Boss music is good. Gilgamesh is probably the most enduring part of Final Fantasy V that's appeared outside of, I think... In, appeared in most Final Fantasy games since then. I would recommend getting it on PSN because that's the horrible port. Yes. With the not, atrocity of a translation. Do not get it on PSN. The translation is very bad. Um, it is from that era of Square where most of their translations were not particularly good. Um, and also it's, like we mentioned earlier, horribly slow and the load times are incredibly bad. Or you could just play Bravely Default, which is basically Final Fantasy V by any other name. Yeah, you really could. Bravely Default <laughs> feels, in a lot of ways, like a true successor to Final Fantasy V, um, more so than any of the Final Fantasies since then have. Well, before we continue, do you have any tips to successfully con- take, complete a four-job fiesta run, Steve? So, because I have never successfully completed a four-job fiesta... Um, hey, I, I thought you did. You're a fraud, Steve. <laughs> I, I told you at the very beginning, I came up towards the end, um, and then for uh, something came up and I couldn't finish it, I think is what happened. Um, probably the best advice is just experiment. If you're doing your first run, just do a regular run, um, which is where as soon as you get your first job, you have to immediately assign everyone a job. Um, you can no longer be freelancer or bearer or whatever your version is calling it. Um and try and find skills that have good synergies together. If you roll a crappy class like Red Mage, um, which I actually did in that game, be happy that you have healing magic for a little while, and then, you know, build up your job points towards the double cast, which is still useful even with uh, bad magic skill. And um, items are much more important in the four-job fiesta than anywhere else. Having a thief-chemist combo is crazy good. Um because there are a lot of enemies that you can steal damage-dealing items from. And let's see here. Um, the chicken knife and the brave knife, both very important. Much better to use the chicken knife, because you can bump it up to maximum damage by just running a lot. And, in, in fact, running a lot is important as well. Um, if you come up against enemies that you can't beat because of equipment deficiencies, you run. And um, rods. Rods are your friends, too. If you have a class that can break a rod, make sure that you use those things. Um, if you roll Black Mage as your first class, in fact, you're probably going to need a Fire Rod to beat Garula, because Garula counters magic and also gets faster and does more hits. So you that boss is probably the hardest boss uh, if you roll a bad class from your first job. I can't even imagine what it would be like to roll White Mage and then have to fight Garula. He's hard anyway. I remember... The first time I played Final Fantasy V, and he just wiped the floor with me in a way that I had never seen before. And I was like, oh, it is crap. An, it is a really hard fight, and it feels unfair. And I think what it's primarily meant to teach you is how important the defensive abilities are. Because at that point, I 
you should have, I believe that you have Knight at that point from the first crystal. Um, and you have the guard ability, so you can guard the weaker members of your party against that insane rush of attacks while you just cast a crap load of magic on him and deal a lot of damage, because he is weak to fire. So that, that fight is the first, probably the first fight in the game that's really meant to teach you how certain jobs work together. But of course, in a four-job fiesta at that point, you have one job, and that one job has to work with that one job, and you're also not going to have that many levels on that job. So... Best of luck if you choose to do it. Um, and if you do as well, you know, pledge a donation. And in fact, there's even a system here uh, in it. It's manually run. I've never done it myself. And in fact, I just noticed it for the first time this year. You can pay to re-roll a job or select a specific job from a crystal. If Ooh. you really, really, really want to violate the spirit of it. Yeah, but then you're doing it wrong. Why, why are you even doing it? Well, you know, if you roll Berserker on that first job and you don't really feel like playing the whole game with a bunch of berserkers, that's a good one to pay to get out of. Fair enough. Well, I will include a link to the instructions on how to get started in the show notes, and then you can, you too can embark on a four-job fiesta. Yeah, um, and it ends September 1st, but you can start at any time. Uh, it's a game that if you, you know, invest a couple of hours every evening into it, it'll take... Uh, for first time, don't I would recommend not doing this if you're a first-time player. Uh, if, you've comp- if you've played the game once, even if you haven't finished it, you probably have a better idea what you're doing. It'll take somewhere between 25 and 50 hours, I would say, to finish, depending on how fast you want to go and what jobs you roll. So uh, there's still plenty of time to actually complete a game of it. So before we finish up, Steve, let's talk a little bit about Persona 5. Yes. You seem to have feelings, especially after watching. So there was a trailer that was released four months ago, and then there was some additional, uh, a little bit of additional gameplay footage put out on Dancing All Night. It was not present at E3 outside of there was a kiosk and you could get a bag with Persona 5 like advertisements on it. That was about it. Yeah. But... As far as I can tell, um, person- like they're working like feverishly to get this thing finished. There's talk of it being out by the end of 2015. Steve, it sounds like you're a big fan of the Persona series. What I, are your thoughts on Persona 5? I am a big fan of the Persona series, um, even though I only came in with Persona 3 like a lot of people did. Um, so from what I know about Persona 5 so far, which is pretty much as much as everyone else... Um, looks incredible. Like, the animation style in it looks phenomenal. Um, it looks, from what I hear, it takes place in um, in a reform school, and the characters are meant to be students by day, thieves by night. Uh, beyond that, I don't really know a whole lot about the storyline. Um, based on the trailers, it looks like it's going back to more of a Persona 3 kind of vibe, uh, where you're possibly fighting shadows or... Um, Something or some other supernatural element, like all the Persona games. But this one seems to focus... Um, a lot of people have done really intense analysis of the trailer, like super intense. Um, and the most interesting... And each of the Persona games kind of has a theme. Um, like Persona 4, the theme was uh, 
largely revolved around growing up and uh, discovering your true self and so on. Um, and that was a great game with a great story. Based on the color palettes of Persona 5, people are suspecting that this is a game about the seven deadly sins um, and that each character in the game represents a different one, which is an interesting idea. I hope that it turns out to be true because that would could be a really interesting storyline. Um, but most importantly, the menus in that game look incredible. Like I have never gotten excited about menu interfaces in a game before, but the Persona 5 menus um, that were shown in the first gameplay trailer that came out about four or five months ago, they're phenomenal. Like that is it. They're really, really beautiful and smooth. The more I play Persona, or sorry, the more I just work with video games, the more I actually become excited about really good menu and UI design. <laughs> because yeah. user interface, a bad interface, like bad menus, you name it, can just completely wreck a game. Yeah, but it, it's more than that. It's not just that the navigation looks smooth and comprehensible. It's that it, it looks like every choice that you make in a menu is accompanied by animation that affects the background. Like when you, I think that this is in the trailer when you switch, um, it goes back to the classic persona of, uh, persona SMT, I should say, system of ranged weapon, uh, close combat weapon. When you switch between the equipping those, like the, the image of the character flips the knife out of his hand and is holding a gun. It's crazy. It looks so good. So when I was talking about Persona 5 on Twitter, I made the argument that Persona's at present probably the the foremost JRPG series. Um, and I made that argument for a few reasons. One, that Final Fantasy's stock kind of declined over the years. Dragon Quest never really caught on worldwide. Um, and Persona, like, has the best mix of kind of inventive gameplay. Um, it has, it's been extremely successful in both Japan and the U.S. at this point. And it, and if you go to Japan, Persona is everywhere. Like, like Persona 4 in particular. Like, you can't get away from Persona 4 while you're over there. So it seems to have penetrated the mainstream consciousness in a way that it hadn't like a decade ago. And weirdly enough, it feels like Persona 4 Golden is the game that kind of put it over the top because it was so good. I would even argue that it was the best Vita game, bar none, and that it's a good reason to actually buy that system if you haven't done it yet and you have a little extra money lying around. And we were talking earlier about the need for kind of an ambassador into RPGs. And Persona's maybe a little higher level than, say, Final Fantasy VII, or a lot higher level. But it's a really... It's surprisingly accessible, given the depth of the systems and the amount there is to do. Yeah, and... Sorry, what were you going to say? I, I was going to say, I think that Persona is very accessible, but it's accessible at a different level. Mm-hmm. Because Final Fantasy VII is, like, it's a high fantasy kind of story. And it's got science, a lot of science fiction elements, and there's a bunch of crazy stuff going on. But the systems are all incredibly comprehensible. And I think what makes Persona so accessible is that 
the setting is largely a very real world setting and a lot of the gameplay is based around like real world social decisions that people as teenagers would have to make except for frequently you have to choose whether to study or to go and kill monsters at night and it's i think that's really the entry point for persona is that it's accessible from a standpoint of i understand what this world is and Final Fantasy VII is accessible from a standpoint of these mechanics are simple enough that I know what I'm doing. So I want to issue my one gripe with Persona 5 so far. All right. Let's see what it is. The, the main character, the main protagonist, is the Japanese equivalent of, um, you know, like white male protagonist from like Uncharted or name your AAA action game. Like... There's nothing particularly notable about him. And I understand why they did that, because they wanted somebody as generic as possible for people to be able to self-insert. I struggle to identify with, like, male protagonists anyway. (laughs) Yeah, well, um, this is a good point to mention that if, as long as people are thinking about getting a remake, uh, the Persona 3 portable for uh, PSP has an option to play as a female character, a female main character. And that's that's why I feel like Persona 3 Portable is the one to play, aside from the fact that you can also control your characters. But at the same time, like, it's the damn menus. Like, it's the point-and-click menus, and it's not very good. Yeah. And that one is that one has a rough interface. That's another game. And also it's got load times because it's on the PSP, so... it's But you can get it on the Vita. Oh. Hey, if you can get it on the Vita, then you don't have to deal with load times as much. And it looks good on the Vita, too. Hey, it's another good argument to get a Vita. So what you're saying is buy a Vita so that you can play Persona games on it that you could play on your PS2. No, I'm saying get a Vita because... Well, Persona 4 Golden is much better than the original Persona 4. Um, for a variety of reasons, but... And then it has Persona 3 Portable, obviously. Um, and it just... It has a lot of good old PlayStation games and a lot of good old PSP games and a a handful of really good original content. I, I'm a fan of Dragon's Crown, actually, and I think it's pretty good on the PS Vita, aside from the occasional frame rate hip, hiccup. So there are definitely reasons to pick up the Vita. I feel like at this point I've kind of exhausted the library myself, but if you are... If you missed out on the PSP, which was an outstanding RPG system, then you absolutely should put, pick up a Vita because that's the easiest way to get at a lot of the best software. Yeah, so. that's true. There were a lot of really excellent uh, strategy and RPGs on uh, on the PSP. So here's here are my thoughts on the Persona 5 trailer. I feel like... The, the things that jump out at me just when I'm closing my eyes and I'm thinking about it right now, the color palette... They're going very red this time around. Yeah, it's red and black. Um, and I think that the color palette in Persona 4 was yellow and black, and Persona 3... It was like yellow and blue. Yeah, yeah. and Persona 3 was blue and black? Yeah, it was blue. Yeah. So this one's red. Yep. They're, like, really stark color palettes can be a little distracting at times, but I... But they're memorable. I will give them that. I, it looks like it takes place in Tokyo this time around, or like the big city. No, it looks like Tokyo. They show um, the. I wish I could remember the name of the crossing. They show the Shibuya crossing. 
that everyone knows that I can't remember the name of. And I've heard some talk about it being almost an apocalyptic setting, which suggests actually a, a stronger tie to the traditional SMT story than a lot of the other pre previous Persona games that we've seen. That's interesting because they separated out Persona from the mainline SMT games with Persona 4. That was mm -hmm. the first one to not have the Shin Megami Tensei subtitle. Yes, but this one is set in Tokyo, apparently, and... If it's going like more apocalyptic, well, that's SMT right there, right? Yeah, that's true. It, it Though I suppose Persona see. 3 was also kind of apocalyptic as well. but Yeah, a little bit. Persona 4 was a much more low-key kind of game. which well, it was a murder mystery. It was Scooby-Doo. Yeah, I know, which is why I loved it. It's Scooby-Doo in rural Japan. It's the greatest. Scooby-Doo or Buffy the Vampire Slayer, take your pick. <laughs> but, uh, and then, I, I, like you, I love the interface. I love what they're doing with the graphics it looks great it looks so gr it looks great that in a way that even persona 3 and 4 didn't look great on the ps2 like they looked they looked very good on the ps2 but that was because of art and that sort of thing yeah and it has it has a really wonderful art style as well too mm. and it i um it just looks like the kind of game that i can sit around and play for hours and hours and hours and I'm really curious to see what they do with the battle system and the structure because they tend to tinker around with those with each successive game. Um, Persona 4 being very different from Persona 3 in the way that, I mean, like in Persona 3, you're doing the midnight out, you're doing the midnight hour thing and you're trying to get to the top of a tower and, you know, you have the kind of apocalyptic events. Whereas in Persona 4, you know, it's a, it's essentially a race against time, uh, balancing your studies with going into the dungeon at the appropriate time to save your your person. So yeah, and that's another thing that I'm really curious about with Persona Five is because the setting is supposedly a reform school. Like, is there actually going to be less of a emphasis on studying and the social life kind of stuff? Um, and it also looks like, I mean, I'm sure there's still going to be the social link thing and everything because that's a big part of what makes those games popular. But it it looks like the the group, the core party is also now just three characters and then also that cat thing that shows up in the trailer as well. Um, I'm, sure there's, I'm, sure, I'm sure there's a whole bunch of stuff they're holding back. But if the game is more focused on just this very small core set of characters that are more interested in committing crimes than going to school, like that could be a really interesting shift for the series, even if it has a lot of the same elements. Here's the other thing that I'm wondering. How tied in to Persona 3 and 4 is it going to be? That's an excellent question because Persona 3 and 4, they have that tiny little bit of overlap where in tiny. Persona, yeah, where Persona 4, there's the field trip to the city where Persona 3 takes place. So I'm, and in Persona 3 Portable, they actually go to Inaba and stay in Yukiko's, um, like, inn. Oh, that's kind of cute. And you see, like, a younger version of Yukiko. Um, like managing the inn and everything, like that was new content that they put put in. Oh, that's kind of cute. I don't think I ever played that game that far. But then also in Persona Arena, um, they really explicitly overlap the stories. And I don't know if Persona Q counts as part of the canon. God, the canon. Um, <laughs> but 
I mean, obviously, there's overlap there as well. And it just seems to be hinting at a kind of broad crossover. And so I'm almost wondering if all of the characters from Persona 3 and 4 are going to suddenly appear in 5. I kind of hope not. But it would, it'll be interesting to see how it intersects with Persona 3 and 4 and then also possibly with all of these ancillary things that have shown up. So, Steve, you were, you were saying that you really like the Persona series because you find it to be, like, really experimental compared to a lot of JRPGs. Can you kind of, like, elaborate on that? Yeah. So, when I say that, I'm mostly thinking of... Persona 3, because Persona 4, when you get down to it, is just a, a really, really good distillation of everything that made Persona 3 great. Like, it's a nice refinement. Um, and I think a big part of that is that, so you were talking about the mainline um, JRPGs. Like, Dragon Quest is Dragon Quest is Dragon Quest, and it always will be Dragon Quest. Like, there's no question. And if you try to change it, God help you. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then Final Fantasy does do experimental things, like um, Final Fantasy 2 was experimental, Final Fantasy 8 was experimental, Final Fantasy 12 was experimental, but there's no coincidence that those are all the ones that people either really, really hate or really, really like. And it's also kind of always been Final Fantasy's thing that they sort of change it up between entries, so they never quite perfect anything, which is... One reason why Final Fantasy V is so unusual is because it is a perfect refinement of Final Fantasy III. Um, and then Final Fantasy III itself was sort of a refinement of Final Fantasy I. And at that point, for whatever reason, um, the Final Fantasy series just kind of went off the rails into, okay, every single entry is going to be a totally different thing. Um, and for a while, that was really great. Uh, like Final Fantasy VIII. Is, is a game that I really love after I played it recently. Um, and then, Welcome to the Final Fantasy VIII bandwagon. You can yeah. have a seat over here. Yeah, I'm, I'll join you right over there. I think it's a fascinating and wonderful game. But, you know, like Final Fantasy IX got very mired in tradition as well. Final Fantasy X was, is, has interesting mechanics, but like is also very accessible in a Final Fantasy VII kind of way. Final Fantasy XII was... Man, it's it's a single-player MMO, essentially. I skipped Final Fantasy XIII because I have good sense. No offense to people who like Final Fantasy XIII. And then, who who even knows what Final Fantasy XV is going to be at this point? I haven't played the demo, Steve, but it, it looks a lot like Final Fantasy. You should play Lightning Returns. It looks a lot like Final Fantasy XII, actually. Hmm. So, I'm really curious how that's going to turn out. But also, I mean, another reason why Final Fantasy isn't considered all that inventive anymore is because they simply don't release games on any kind of regular schedule. Hmm. Yeah, no, Final Fantasy has... Well, Square's reputation has been kind of on the rebound lately, but especially since the Final Fantasy fourteen and Realm Reborn, but... Yeah, Realm, Realm Reborn was really good for them. Um, it's crazy I... to think that there were three Final Fantasies on the original PlayStation... I know that is, really and they were all totally different. Yeah, see, that's the that's one of the things that is really missing from modern Square is, and it's not just the PlayStation Final Fantasies; it's the PlayStation everything that they made, Vagrant Story, Ergiz, Tobal, like all of these weird games. Were Einhander. Fun. Yeah, Einhander. Some of them work, some of them don't, and like it's just 
it's really cool to play a lot of those games, even if they're failures, because they've got interesting stuff in them. Um, but I, I also think that Square was one of the companies hit hardest by the AAA thing because, and it, it's actually because of Final Fantasy VII, they had a reputation as this is the company that makes the most, the highest graphical fidelity and the coolest games and they're super involving and the technology is always going to wow you. So they have to invest all of that time and money in producing stuff like Final Fantasy Thirteen and Final Fantasy Fifteen because they have to live up to that reputation. And that also, that hinders the game systems a little bit. They spend more time in development of the art assets and everything and the scenario than they do refining the actual mechanics. Because at this point, Final Fantasy is about those aesthetic decisions. And yet, just the announcement of a Final Fantasy VII remake or Final Fantasy XV can still command a great deal of attention. Well, because it's true, because Final Fantasy VII is, like you mentioned earlier, it's people... It, Final Fantasy VII is like a memory at this point, essentially. Um, if you are a person who loves Final Fantasy VII and you tried to play it recently, you might not like it so much. But I think that a remake has, even if the mechanics are still not good, has a it really does have a chance to bring in a new audience and to certainly be impressive. And it'll unquestionably have a better translation. And yet, the game that I'm looking forward, I am looking forward to Persona 5 more than I am the Final Fantasy VII remake. Well, Final Fantasy VII is a remake. Persona 5 is something new and exciting. And also, Persona 5 is absolutely going to have better menus than Final Fantasy VII Remake. <laughs> gorgeous, gorgeous menus. All right, Steve, where can I find you? Uh, you can find me on the internet at genericdomain.name. Um, I'm probably going to be putting up some more writing there because... Uh, I used to write for the GIA, but they have recently shut down for a second time. R.I.P. Uh, R.I.P. the GIA. Bless them. I told them to shut it down on April 1st again, but they were busy. Um, and uh, you can find me on the Twitter, uh, at a tweeting twit, uh, where I sometimes talk about computers and mostly complain about my job, but I also talk about video games and complain about them, too. All right. And as for me... You can find me at the underscore catbot as usual, and check us out over at usgamer.net. Um, please feel free to drop a line um, with your comments, your thoughts, whatever, at cat.bailey at usgamer.net. Or, you know, just contact us over on our Twitter account. Next week, I'm going to be out of town. I'm going to Japan, um, where I will actually be recording a podcast, but that's not going to go up until the following week. So we're going to be off but I promise it's going to be a really sweet RPG. Uh, it's going to be a really sweet podcast. In the meantime, just keep an eye on US Gamer because there will be a lot more RPG writing where that came from. In the meantime, thanks for dropping by, Steve. Yeah, thanks for having me, Kat. It's always a pleasure. And until next time, happy adventuring. 